there's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's what I always say. You always follow the money. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter, 21 and up and only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Welcome back here. Hour three. This show is moving. Follow the money. <laughs> Welcome in. Stormy Bond and Tony and Dave Ross with you. Time to talk a little Major League Baseball. Yeah. And we will bring in RJ Anderson, MLB writer for CBS Sports, to get us started here for hour three. Welcome in, RJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming. So you're out there in Washington, D.C., paying probably much closer attention to the Juan Soto situation than you would even like. It is just, I'm sure, dominating your timeline, dominating your text chains. But the team reportedly entertaining some proposals for Juan Soto after he turned down the major contract. What's the latest situation that that you're hearing? I feel like most people I talk to don't really feel that he's going to get moved by the deadline. Yeah, and there was some skepticism in the industry when all this started a few weeks ago about the timetable and whether he would actually be moved before August 2nd's trade deadline. But, you know, I think it would make sense for them to go ahead and make a deal just because keep in mind, this is a franchise that is probably going to undergo an ownership change mm-hmm. after the season. And if you're an incoming owner, you don't want to have your first move be trading the face of the franchise, you know, a 23 year old who is on a hall of fame track, you know, that's just a lot of bad PR. So you almost want to come in, with the slate clean and say, oh, yeah, we wouldn't have done that. You know, just throw the previous owners on the bus a little bit and uh, try to win some approval and adoration from the fan base. But, you know, I think the chances of a trade are higher than I would have expected when all this started. You know, RJ, it's interesting, too, because Mike Rizzo, the GM there in D.C., he's been through this before with the, the face of the franchise and Bryce Harper. And they made him, I think, when they made him the first offer around $300 million for Bryce back in the day, I think people went, oh, that's just kind of a, a, it's an offer, but we really don't want to pay it. I think they did. I think they wanted to make Juan Soto the highest paid player in the history of the game. And he said, no. Do you think this was just to get the offer out like they did with Bryce? Or do you think their their intent really was to lock him up forever in D.C.? Yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of both there, right? You know, they made an offer that they felt might tempt him to accept it, but they didn't necessarily go all out, you know, I mean, the AAV, I think, would have ranked like 20th 
in the majors as it stands. And obviously Juan Soto deserves a higher rank than that. And, you know, you can argue that, oh, you know, it's for the competitive balance tax payroll and blah, blah, blah. And look, 15 years, 440 million. Yeah, of course, that's a, a lot of money over a lot of years. But, you know, I think it was probably one of those situations where they knew he wasn't going to accept that. They made an offer that, you know, is defensible enough. And so they're kind of living in both worlds, right? You know, they get the benefit of the doubt from some of their fan base, but they also don't add, you know, close to half a billion dollars to their payroll over the next 15 years for one player. So if, or I guess more likely when, uh, Soto (laughs) does eventually move on from the Nationals, an article you put out recently, you had the Cardinals as the potential leader in the clubhouse to land him. Why is St. Louis the best candidate in your evaluation? He's plus six, uh, the Cardinals rather, are plus 650 uh, right now to land him fifth on the odds board. Yeah, I think the Cardinals are just the perfect storm. You know, number one, they have a lot of young talent they can ship to D.C. You know, they have Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, two really good prospects who haven't yet reached the majors. In the majors, they have Nolan Gorman. They have, you know, Tyler O'Neill. They have uh, a number of – Dylan Carlson. They have a number of young players they can ship over. Uh, plus, you know, there's a financial aspect. The Cardinals have shown in the past they're willing – make these kind of trades for guys like Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and you know, they may not have been on quite on Warren Soto's level, but they are really good players. And, you know, not only did they uh, reach new deals with them, Goldschmidt builds up after the 2024 season when Soto would become a free agent. So I think you have, you know, just a really good combination of factors there. I don't think that the Nationals are likely to trade him within the division, which takes the Mets out of the running. Mm. You know, the Dodgers and Yankees are kind of legally obligated to mention them, but <laughs> I think the Cardinals actually have a little bit more talent they could offer, and I just think it makes sense for those reasons. Talking with R.J. Anderson out of Washington, D.C., I was, as a Metropolitan fan, I was kind of hoping maybe that deal would get done, but you're right. They're not going to trade him in the interdivision and go against him uh, every every single season. 2019 feels like a long time ago now for the Nats fans there, RJ. And, and look, I was there when they first got the team uh, in the mid-2000s, and there was a patience with the fan base, obviously. And then all of a sudden, it's culminated in 2019 with that championship. How's the fan base now? Are, are they Do they want Soto to be there, to have something? To, I remember the, the Soriano days, Al, Alfonso Soriano, where they just wanted a marquee player to go watch play. Is that what they want right. with Juan Soto, or are they astute enough as a baseball fan to say, you know what, maybe trading Soto and starting the rebuild for real, like you mentioned with those pieces in St. Louis, might actually be the best thing for the organization? Yeah, I don't think any fan base wants to see Juan Soto leave town, to be honest with you. But they have gotten really good at saying goodbye, you know, whether it's Bryce Harper or Max Scherz or Trey Turner or Anthony Rendon. You know, this is a franchise and a fan base that kind of grown accustomed to the stars leaving for one reason or another. So. You know, maybe there's sort of a, you know, a resignation about it. You know, here we go again. But, uh, yeah, I don't think any fan base in the league would be like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm fine training Soto. It would probably be more like, why haven't you been able to build around this guy, right? You know, rather than we need to move him in order to build. Hard to believe that it was just a couple years ago the Nationals won a World Series. Uh, Juan Soto, obviously 23 years old, the absolute bell of the ball this trade season <laughs> for the Major League Baseball calendar. But – who are some other names that people should be aware of right now? Some trade deadline rumors you think are notable going into this August 2nd deadline. Yeah, so the starting pitching market, I think, is dominated by two names. Uh, Luis Castillo, the Cincinnati Reds, and one of the best changeups in baseball. Had some shoulder issues earlier this spring, but he looks you know, as good as ever. And then Frankie Montas of the Oakland Athletics. He's dealing with shoulder issues himself. You know, a fireballer. You know, he's had some inconsistencies. He's dealt with some suspensions and whatnot. So I think Castillo is probably a little ahead on my board, but I think those are the two top names who are likely to move. And then on the hitter side of things, you know, once you get past Soto, you have the likes of you know, Wilson Contreras, uh, the Cubs catcher. Frankly, my dark horse is another athletic and Sean Murphy. You know, he's a catcher. He's a really good defender, has years of team control remaining, and you know, has already been a league average bat for, you know, all of his career to date but he's showing a little bit more raw strength than I think people realize. And it wouldn't surprise me if he gets out of that cavern, a small park and gets into a situation where maybe they help him tap into that. And all of a sudden his offensive ceiling goes up a little bit more. RJ, I, I want to talk about the two New York teams very quickly before the trade deadline with the Metropolitans and the Yankees there. It feels like the Yankees, you know, best record in baseball. Maybe the Astros might be able to catch them for that or the Dodgers before it's all said and done. Do they need more? And what about the Mets? I know they're waiting on DeGrom and Scherzer's back now, 
But do they have enough to hold off the Braves in the NL East? Yeah, I think the Yankees need to really address the bullpen at this point because they've had so many injuries there, and you know, they just lost Michael King for the season this past weekend, unfortunately. So I fully expect they're going to go out there and at least add some relievers. Wouldn't surprise me if they're active on the outfield market as well. Uh, maybe they even find a way to move Joey Gallo. Who knows? So I think Brian Cashman is going to have a busy you know, week plus uh, left ahead of August 2nd. And then with the Mets, I expect they're also going to be quite active. You know, uh, there was rumors yesterday they had looked into Josh Bell, the uh, first baseman with the Nationals, who's having a really good season. You know, they just added Daniel Vogel back over the weekend. So they're clearly you know, seeking offense. And I would expect them to also look into the pitching market just because they've had so many injuries. You know, they've had DeGrom and Scherzer and McGill all this time, Bassett's in this time, and you just keep running down the list. It feels like every single pitcher hmm. or marquee name on that roster has missed some time. So, yeah, I think they're both going to be active. And like I said earlier, you kind of almost have to mention them in regards to Soto. It's just a matter of, you know, A, the national trade him of in division, or B, if you're the Yankees, you still have to worry about the Aaron Judge situation, right, where he's a free agent this winter. And if you acquire Soto, that kind of tips your hand that you're probably looking to make a long-term commitment to an outfielder. It just might not be the one you have in the clubhouse already. Very interesting. That's crazy to think through. Pay pay Juan and don't pay Aaron Judge. Yeah. Woo. While Aaron Judge is on the brain, though, we got into a little bit of a debate earlier talking about AL MVP and the argument with Shohei Otani that because he does these historic things year in and year out, there's a lot of folks that think, hey, if he just continues to be solid at the plate, solid in the pitcher on the pitching mound, then you just have to give it to this guy. I don't know if we necessarily agree with that, especially with the things that Aaron Judge has been doing this season. How do you feel about the AL MVP race and just Shohei Otani in general with what he's done? Yeah, so I don't think you can go wrong either way there. But for me, the novelty hasn't worn off Otani. And, you know, when you're talking about someone who's literally done or doing something that we had never seen before, you know, in our lifetimes, I think it's, yeah, I think I have to give it to him. But hey, if you go on the very judge, it's perfectly fine. I get it. You know, I, I think that some voters are going to have Otani fatigue and you know, they're gonna hold the Angels for record against them like they did in the past with Mike Trout. So I I think it's really, you know, comparable to the Trout years and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Judge wins. But for my money, you know, the novelty has not worn off Otani and I guess to, I guess you have to keep giving him that award until he stops producing on both sides. And that seems to be the narrative, right? Yeah. I, I think I think you're in the majority there. I just I look at Aaron Judge, RJ, and I go, what else does a guy have to do? I mean, he's a great defensive player yeah. too, and you know he's got all those. He's leading so many categories in in, in offensive stats, and I, I I get it with what Otani's doing. But you know, it used to be the best team in baseball, the best player would get that award. I guess it's starting to change, which is fine, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's been swelling over the last ten to twenty years. You know. Uh, the idea that one player cannot really make a team competitive on his own. And as we're seeing with the angels and as we've seen over the last few years, that's also true of two players, <laughs> how good they are, no matter their historical standing, you know, baseball is a team game. You need 26 players. Really. You need more than that because of injuries and whatnot. So, you know, it, it can be frustrating. Um, but yeah, I myself do not buy into the idea that the MVP has to come from, you know, the best team or even a competitive team. I think that there are exceptions to be made and, you know, the Tawny and Trout have been worthy of those exceptions over the years. Really good stuff, RJ. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's RJ Anderson of CBS Sports. We will continue our baseball talk with former MLB manager Phil Garner in just a moment. The Astros have started the second half hot. Mm. Can they hang on? Don't go anywhere. This is Follow the Money. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating? Or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Follow the money on VSEN, the sports betting network. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is serving up big wins with our new weekly profit boost on all tennis wagers. Visit BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app every Wednesday to receive a 20% profit boost on any tennis wager. That's right, log in every Wednesday and automatically get 20% profit boost. And now you can even live stream your favorite tennis players right from the Bet Rivers app. So heat up your summer with the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app. It's a whole new game. Dave Ross and Stormy Bond and Tony here with you. And we just wrapped up a great conversation with RJ Anderson. Yeah talking about the AL MVP race and Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge. And another name that's kind of been left out of this is Jordan Alvarez Absolutely. of the Houston Astros. So who better to discuss the AL MVP race and Alvarez <laughs> than with Phil Gardner, former longtime MLB manager with the Brewers, Tigers, and you guessed it, the Astros, three-time All-Star, World Series champion. Mm. Phil, welcome in. Well, good morning. Good morning, and we'll start right there, though, in the AL MVP race. I feel like Alvarez is having a great, very under-the-radar season because of the things that Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge have done throughout the course of the season. What's your evaluation of the MVP race right now? Well, I, you know, Otani for me is, is how do you beat this guy? He pitches, he pitches <laughs> well, he hits, he hits well, he hits for power, he hits for how he can run. Uh, he's He actually is the consummate uh, baseball player and kudos for the, for the angels for letting him go both ways. The guy loves to do it. Let him do it. It's, it's, it's fun to watch as far as I'm concerned. Judge is a horse in his own, own right. A, a big horse as a matter of fact, but I, I tell you what, Jordan, when you watch Jordan on a daily basis, he's a much better athlete all around than people might think. Uh, he's, I, I think it's, this happens with judge. It happens with a lot of big guys. They move faster than you think they do because they're so big. They don't look like they're covering that much ground. But, but he runs well. Uh, he's played well in the out, out, outfield, and and they had claimed that he wasn't going to be a good defensive player. And he's obviously a, a big time hitter, and he's a big time clutch hitter. So, uh, you know, my vote would go towards uh, probably Otani if I'm going to be. Uh, totally fair and unbiased, but my favorite would be Jordan. And plus 950 for Alvarez uh, to win the AL MVP. Phil, right there with, with Shohei, and obviously we've never seen anything, and none of us were around for Babe Ruth when he did it, uh, pitching and hitting, obviously, but is there any comparable player in your day with, with the Buckos? Maybe <laughs> I mean, is there anything you can compare Otani to? Uh, no, I, no, there isn't. <laughs> I, now, there was good player. Dave Parker was probably the best athlete oh, yeah. I played for for a number of years and and Parker if you ask him to pitch he would have probably pitched but but uh I don't think he would have been successful as Otani and 
Of course, Barry Bonds might have been the best hitter that I, oh, pure, pure hitter all the way around. But uh, as far as pitching concerned, he couldn't do that. So, I mean, when you look at a guy that, that has the strength and stamina to do both and to do both at, a, at an all-star level, I, that's impressive. It's, it's really impressive as far as I'm concerned. When you look at the way that the Astros have opened up this second half, uh, they won both games, that doubleheader with the Yankees to start mm-hmm. things off, followed it up with a three-game sweep of the Mariners who were coming off those 14 straight wins, really closing the gap with New York, though, for that top seed. If the Astros and Yankees regular season meetings are any indication of what a potential ALCS wow. matchup would look like, Houston certainly has the edge here with the way that they have played in these games what have you liked about the way Houston is matched up with New York and how far could this Astros team go? Well, I, if you'd asked me that um, a, a few weeks ago, I, was, I would have said that my odds would have bet for the Yankees to be the favorite in, in this matchup. And part of that is because even though Houston had taken care of business, by that I mean they had beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. And that's been their, their mark over these this run that they've had and uh, since uh, – uh, our new owner came in. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but um, they, that's what they've done. They've beaten up on the poor teams, the teams that play under 500. And most of the schedule up to the All Star break had been uh, against teams that had not played better than 500 for the most part, and and they beat them, which is what they should. But my concern was they weren't going to play that kind of baseball against the frontline players, the, the Yankees the Dodgers and, and uh, now Seattle, which had been hot until, until Houston went in there. So I've been pleasantly surprised at the way they've stepped up the game. And that's what they've done in the past. And it looks like it's going to be an Astro trait this year. They play the better teams. Man, they step up. And they, they seem to have this propensity to score quick and early and put another team on the defense. And then their pitching has been better all the way through than I thought it was going to be this year. I thought our starters were going to be okay. I was worried about part of our middle bullpen and, and a little bit worried about the end, but but particularly they've been strong all the way through. So I've got to now flip and, and say that, and boy, I hate to say this because over the years when I get really hot on a team, they don't do so well. So, but you got to hand it to the Astros right now. They're a team to beat as far as I'm concerned. Talking with former three-time All-Star World Series champion Phil Garner. Phil, I, I did not root for those 1979 Buccos <laughs> as a Metropolitan fan when we were in the same division back in the day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I look at Justin Verlander, and, you know, I always hear about evolution. Today's player has to be better than yesterday's player. Verlander feels like a guy that could have pitched in any era. How is he still getting it done and getting seemingly better? He's the second favorite right now to win the AL Cy Young. Well, I I watched him pitch in uh, in Seattle the other day, and and this is a mark of a great pitcher. If you don't get them early, you know, over, over the history of all the great pitchers I've ever seen, if you don't get them in the first couple of innings, they just get stronger. And Verlander, <laughs> he gave up the home run, and the next pitch he threw, the next batter was 99 miles an hour. I mean, that's a, that's a sign <laughs> of your competitive nature that you've got something else in the tank. And I think he finished off the game, his last few pitches were in the high 90s, like 98, 99. So, uh, you know, uh, this guy is tough. He's mentally tough. He's physically back to where he was, which is what we've all known. You you can come back from elbows and be as good as you, you, you once were. And he certainly is. And, and he's showing, uh, you know, signs that he can do it late in his career. This is, this is remarkable. He's certainly a hall of famer. And he is part of the personification of what the Astros are, a team that's gritty and tough and talented. Yeah, that that last start that you're talking about, he was top in 99 in that final inning and struck out nine batters, 39 (laughs) years old. Like, it just goes on and on. He's the first pitcher this year to reach 13 wins. It's It's been so impressive what he's done. Uh, I want to move to the NL Central a little bit here because we do have an interesting race here. The Milwaukee Brewers and St. Louis Cardinals atop that division. Um, what, what do you think of this division race? Can Milwaukee really compete for an NL pennant? Well, I, they surprised me over the years. And, yes, I, I, I think the short answer is they can. Now, typically for me, when you get in the close races, it, it gets down to the last two months of the season. It's a team that makes the key trade. They can. The Astros did it with Verlander, and now do you have the the weapons to make a trade to pick up uh, 
Soto, for instance. Uh, now, whether that'd be a guy they're interested in, I don't know. But but uh, do you have some guys in the minor league that you're willing to give up that gets you that one guy that maybe helps get you over the hump? And that's going to be the key. Milwaukee hasn't been able to do that in the past few years. St. Louis has shown that they can do it, and they have a history of doing it. So um, I, th- I think that that might very well be the key. It's it's uh, it's hard to go into the last two months of the season with your your normal team. Usually, somebody makes a good trade that puts over the hump in that in that last couple of months. Got a couple minutes to go here with Phil Garner. And Phil, look, I hit two twenty two when I made my only All Star team when I was ten years old. <laughs> And back then, we didn't know what the shift was. They're going to ban the shift next year in Major League Baseball. One, do you like that? And two, what would you have hit with the shift? I got to think your average would be about 350. Well, I don't know if they hit 350, but I don't think shifted on me like they, they do a lot of people because I did hit the ball the other way. But but it's a bad idea. You're, you're rewarding poor performance, and you're rewarding uh, guys that don't make adjustments. Listen, it's, it's common knowledge in baseball that um, – that you're a better hitter if you hit the ball towards the middle of the diamond. If your approach is to take the ball to the middle of the diamond, you'll hit for your your power numbers will not go down. You'll hit for a better average. You'll be a better overall hitter. So to say that we can't shift is is foolish in my mind. Players need to make an adjustment, and when they do, they'll be better hitters. And so I I think it's a mistake. I think we're over overreacting in baseball to do this. Let players do adjustment. Actually. Unfortunately, the saber magicians have won the day on here. They say that striking out and, and trying to put the ball in play the other way doesn't work. Well, I disagree with that. I think if you ever manage late in the ball game and you see guys strike out, you see guys keep hitting into the into the, uh, you know pulling the ball into the to the uh, shift, that's frustrating. Phil, you're getting no dissent from this desk. I wish that you could see us because oh, Dave Ross cheering, doing Phil. the fist bump. I was just saying, from your words to, to God's ears. I mean, that is exact. You should be the next commissioner of baseball, Phil. I'm, I'm going to vote for you. Sign you up. Thank you so much for the time, Phil. We really appreciate you. All right. Okay. All right. See you again. So enjoyable because I, awesome. I, I do. I always I, I rail against this in any sport. Any professional sport, there should be no such thing as an illegal defense. Phil's 100% right. Keep the shift off all you want. Beat it. I mean, yeah. he he would he he's being it's a little humble. Simple. It's that simple. He would have hit 350. He was a great hitter anyway. That's why he went three All Star games. But great hitters, they're going to figure out to use power to all fields and go the other way. Never make it out. That was a great conversation. Really appreciate Phil making the time. When we come back here, we're going to go back to the NFL. We told you earlier we were going to talk some Kyler Murray, yeah. some Cardinal stuff. We're getting into it when we come back. the sports betting network welcome back to follow the money live from downtown las vegas at circa resort and casino stormy bond and tony and dave ross in for mitch and polly today and very excited for our guest kent summers mm-hmm. to join us now sports columnist for the arizona republic and az central sports because uh it's been very busy <laughs> it's tumultuous in, in arizona cardinals country right now <laughs> kyler murray Signs a five-year, $230.5 million extension to remain with the Cardinals, 160 guaranteed. Kent, uh, you said there in the break before we came on here that you weren't completely surprised by this. Take us through your initial reaction with the Kyler Murray signing. No, I, I, I think uh, a lot of people you know, expected a deal to be done in and around the start of training camp. Uh, you know, The Cardinals didn't want this to go on and linger. Uh, it was going to be interesting if they hadn't done it, hadn't reached an agreement, how Kyler would have responded. Would he have held out of training camp? Would he have held in, you know, showed up and, and not participated uh, just to avoid being fined and show good faith? And so I, I think both sides wanted this taken care of, you know, Kyler Murray for obvious reasons, you know, to, to get paid and, and you know, the Cardinals to, uh, to avoid a distraction, a big distraction. And that's the key, too, Ken. I think it's the million-dollar question. So they get the deal done, so now we theoretically don't have those questions about Kyler being unhappy. But, you know, people read into the body language, and, and Buda Baker gets hurt, and he doesn't come out there when the rest of the team went out there. It, Kyler Murray's 20-1 to win the MVP, rather, Ken. And I just wonder, is he, now that this is done, uh, the unquestioned leader. Did, did anybody else have those questions about Kyler? Because I think those questions might come from outside of Arizona, but maybe not inside. 
You know, I, I, I think those questions actually were existed within the organization. I don't, I don't think that was made up by anybody. You know, I go back to um, the Super Bowl when uh, news broke on on ESPN via Chris Mortensen that you know the team wanted to see maturity from Kyler Murray, wanted to see better body language and him to become a better leader, and then the the counter, assuming from you know, uh, Kyler Murray's camp is that he was made to feel a scapegoat for the blowout loss to the Rams um, in the, in the uh, first round of the playoffs and for the Cardinals losing five of their last six games, including that, that playoff game. I don't think that was made up. I, I think it, it was a real thing with the, the Cardinals people. I, I think they realized though, that Kyler Murray is 24 years old, turns 25 in a, in a couple weeks. He's young. He'll develop, he'll, those leaders skills will will develop and obviously they felt comfortable enough to give you know to to sign him to a, a boatload of money but I, I I think it was interesting to me in the press conference uh the day after he agreed to terms um when Steve Keim the general manager mentioned that both he and Cliff Kingsbury flew to the Dallas area and met with uh, Kyler Murray and his parents and had, uh, you know, he didn't want to go into details about the conversation, but he described it as, you know, a, a very upfront, frank conversation on, on both sides. And, you know, you, you know, he just kind of left it to us to, to uh, imagine what that conversation was like. But I think all those issues probably came up on, on both sides, and it was sort of an airing of grievances. Well, that's, that's interesting. And, yeah. I mean, and Cliff Kingsbury has really not been shy about his confidence in Kyler Murray as a quarterback. He says, this guy is our future terms him a generational talent. A lot of my question marks with Kyler aside from the off field maturity question marks have to do with his physical durability and his build as a player. And we see this amount of success that he has typically the front end of a season. And then as the season rolls on, the question marks start to come about mm. can his, his body ultimately hold on for a full season. What, what do you think about that when you look at this year specifically? And he's not going to have a lot of the help of a guy like DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the season. The schedule is very tough. And then you have those issues coming off of, of a, a rough end of the year last year. How do you feel that the early season might go for a guy like Kyler? Well, that's going to be interesting because of Hopkins' absence. If they had Hopkins combined with, you know, uh, Mar Marquise Hollywood Brown, um, and the other weapons on offense, Zach Ertz, uh, Trey McBride, their second round pick, the tight end from Colorado state. They, they have a lot, a lot of weapons on offense to use. And, but it, it, it will be interesting without Hopkins. I, I think, uh, Murray, actually, I'm, I'm not uh, really concerned with, with Murray's durability. He, you know, two years ago, he banged up his shoulder, um, mid season. And that, that did affect him last year. It was, an ankle injury. So it's not like he's, he's getting hammered and beat up because he's five ten and 207 pounds. I mean, he, he knows how to avoid hits. As he said, I've been doing it all my life. I've been small all my life, you know, for my age, I know how to do that. And, and he's, and he's gifted with just tremendous skills that allow him to do that, but he's excellent at avoiding hits and, and sliding. And, you know, some fans would like to see him, you know, run even more and and he's not real keen on on running the ball at the NFL level you know he he's aware that that's not how you survive long term as a quarterback so i i'm you know i i actually have confidence in him that that he'll be able to survive that i think what they've got to figure out are, are the deeper reasons for the second half collapses they've done it in each of the 3 years under cliff kingsbury and i i think it it go points more to a coach than to a quarterback it's something kingsbury has to figure out because it it, it also happened to him at texas tech it was a big reason you know he lost his job at his alma mater um you know after 6 seasons and in all of those 6 seasons texas tech faded you know there you could make the case well, yeah, colleges, college teams play an easier schedule in the first half of the season, and he's in the Big 12, and he's at Texas Tech, and that's a natural thing for it to happen. But it's continued 
with the Cardinals, and they absolutely have to figure out why. Yeah, the only thing that Kyler Murray and I have in common is knowing what it's like to go through the whole life small. <laughs> I uh, think maybe there's a little bit of recency <laughs> bias, too, for the way that yeah. the end of the season went for Kyler. So uh, you're right. Yeah. It, it is. But, but Ken, it's a good point because, again, you look at this team, and right now they, they were an 11-win team a year ago, and now the over-under, it's 8.5. So I think Vegas out here, Kent, is expecting regression. Chase Edmonds is gone. Chandler Jones is gone. We mentioned uh, Hopkins is going to be out there for the first six weeks. They're going to not have his services what do you make of this team as a whole besides the the one? Let's talk about the other 52. Is this a playoff team again in your estimation? I think it, I think no as we sit here today and and talk about it, I just I just don't think they did enough in the offseason, um especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean they they didn't resign Chandler Jones. He left for the Raiders. Um they don't have that you know, elite, elite pass rusher anymore. They've got Marcus Golden, who, you know, has had double digit sacks a few times in his career. He's a, he's really good, but he's not great. And he, he'd be much better if he was paired with a, a pass rusher on the other side. And they don't have that, you know, and they, they, they desperately need two of their three last first round picks, Zavin Collins and Isaiah Simmons at inside linebacker to come through and play like first round picks. And they haven't done that yet. They're, they're very thin at, at quarterback. Um, you know, one, one injury there and, you know, and they're in, they're in some trouble. So there are quite more, far more questions on the defensive side than the, than the offensive side. You know, if, when you, especially when you start to think, you know, they'll get Hopkins back after a six game suspension, but you know, they, it, it's going to be difficult to get off to the start that they have the last few years without him in the lineup. I, I just don't see it, even in a, an expanded playoff field that you know started last year. I just, I just don't see it them doing it, in, in uh, especially in the. Well, and I think the tough part about their schedule is the way that they have to start Chiefs, Raiders, and Rams oh right off the hop, and then no you have... seven and zero this year. No, and so like that's that's a. Part of like my question and how you approach this team and mm -hmm. looking at their skill sets because they do have a really tough road right out the gate when the beginning of the year is typically their best. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Uh, it's 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 going to be hard. Um, no, no question. You know, uh, I, that's why I don't I don't think they get off to a seven and zero start like they did <laughs> a year ago or, or you know what they did and. In, in, in 2020 either i it just is just far more difficult and we we all witnessed what this offense looked like last year without deandre hopkins um in it i mean to to have him suspended after testing positive for peds is just just devastating and then you know big reason you know they went in the first round and or traded their first round pick for hollywood brown so it, you know, but this team has surprised me before with their starts under Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, it's the first half of the season, the last two years, they've averaged over 30 points. They've been the NFL's most productive offense that, that early. It's just, you know, the latter half of the season when, when teams seem to figure out how to defend Cliff Kingsbury's offense, or he doesn't do a very good job adjusting as much as you have to at the at the NFL level, but yeah, it's a, it's a big reason with, without, without Hopkins, uh, you know, I, I just don't see that kind of start and, and uh, you know, and they haven't shown any propensity under Cliff Kingsbury to finish strong. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time, Kent. We Thanks, appreciate Kent. it. You're welcome guys. Thank you. Yeah. That was a really interesting point you made about Cliff Kingsbury historically dating back to the Texas Tech days. When but he's we... a made man now. <laughs> New contract for him and the quarterback. I know. And the GM all coming in. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation and a whole lot more? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. to determine the winner of any given college basketball game. Someone gives you 10,000 to 1 on anything. You take it, take it, take it. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you 3 to 1 odds. Nope. 5 to 1. Nope. 10 to 1. You're on. I love that intro. It's so cool. I'll give you 10 to 1 odds. <laughs> I have you betting by the end of the day. Damn right you will. All right, in pocket. Let's get it rolling, Dave. You're up first. Okay, so I've said this before. It's I took the Chargers a couple months. You can't get this number anymore. 1250 to win the AFC. Now it's down about 750, 8 to 1, somewhere in that vicinity. And the reason why I played it, this is before they got JC Jackson, who I love at corner. And they got Cleo Mack, if he can revitalize this thing. I love what they've done in the offseason. Who doesn't love Justin Herbert? Who doesn't love the weapons? Austin Eckler. It's Boy Genius 2.0. I'm banking on you. I don't care, like Phil Garner said with baseball analytics. I don't care what the analytics community says. Win the damn game. If you got to kick it to win it, kick it to win it. You stood in this, this, this the way of this team of not making the playoffs. It was on you, Brandon Staley. So if he's better this year, I'm trusting Brandon Staley to be better. I think they got a good shot to be there in the mix to make hopefully at least have a shot at this play at the end of the year. When when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert as well, who's just going to continue to elevate and get better, you're in good shape. Like we keep on going back to the most important position on the field. The one. Yes, like it matters the so alpha. much. The alpha matters. But but Brandon Staley, don't get in the yeah, way this year. Yeah, but don't don't mess it up. Come on. I got two Be plays better. in His the press UFC. conferences were weird. He's just I look at I'm not rooting against the kid. I'm betting on the kid to be better. I love that you call him the kid. He's a kid. Boy genius <laughs> 2.0. Uh, I, I got the, the GOAT. I'm taking the GOAT this weekend coming up. Amanda Nunez. By the way, I was thinking of this. Like, you know when you are the GOAT, as Amanda Nunez is, as the best uh, female practitioner in MMA history, that you can lose to Juliana Pena the first time around and still be the GOAT. That's when you're like the goatiness of GOATs. Like, you're the, the greatest GOAT. Because I can still lose and still have that moniker. Now, if she loses again to Juliana Pena, then the questions will set in. I was on Pena. She was about plus 750. The first time around, I think Nunez was not as motivated. Married kid, life gets in the way. You hear the accolades now. And by the way, she was coming off COVID the first time they fought. It might be a different story for the Venezuelan Vixen this time. So, Juliana, I don't know how long your reign's going to be as champ. So, the odds makers obviously think so as well for it to be priced the way that it is. Are there any alternate like ways that you would suggest better? Um, Amanda, to maybe Amanda almost it? got it done the first round, the first time around. Then she gassed out. That could have been the COVID. I'm not blaming it on that, but that could be. Right? You follow the kind of the tentacles how that first fight went. So, if you think Nunez, she probably will come out, maybe not fully gas tanked like she did the first time. I think she thought it was going to be easier. Pena was a little bit tougher. I think this fight could go over. It barely got over. It was one and a half the first time around, and I hit that over, and I had Pena. I think this might be another over fight as well. As long as somebody doesn't get hurt, please. I just, I see that minus 265, and it just, it pains my soul. But, but she was she was like a $1,000 betting favor, nine over $9 yeah, the first time. Yeah, this is a deal. This we is got a, a deal. <laughs> we got a steal on, on the greatest female practitioner in MMA history. I'm going to take Kakara France in the rematch against Brandon Moreno. I love Brandon Moreno. One of my favorite fighters to watch. First Mexican-born champion in the UFC. Kai Kara Francis got power in this weight class at 125. 
So the first time they fought, unanimous decision, Brandon Moreno wins it easily. I think it might be different. Brandon's the type of guy, he's not going to... He can win this fight easily if he stays on the outside. That's not what Brandon Moreno does. And I think Kai Car France has gotten better since the first time they fought in 2019. And the kid has power in the weight class. I like the upset. I'm taking Kai Car France. And good reminder, everybody, make sure you check out Dave and Co. on First Strike. Download the podcast, vcin.com slash podcast, yes. wherever you get your pods. You guys do such a, such a great job. Nobody covers MMA from a betting perspective anywhere close to what you guys do. I, I concur. The, the, the analysts we have and the handicappers we have each and every week are fantastic. Uh, great information. Thanks for the plug, Stormy. I know in your in-pocket play, you're going back to your youths. Because <laughs> we haven't discussed this enough. I might as well just throw it out there one last time. That I I am so confident I in like this Utah here. football team. And so much of the light has been shining on the USC Trojans mm-hmm. when it comes to the Pac-12 this year because of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and all that is coming over from Oklahoma. And I understand USC is going to be very improved. They might even double their win total. But how many wins did they have last year? Four. Ooh. So you're... I just think that there's too much too much hype on USC and not enough attention going to Utah, which is why you can get a decent number at them, plus 250 to win the conference, which I think that they should win coming off the Pac-12 win a year ago when they beat Oregon twice in the last four weeks what of the, the season. Crushed them. Um, and Cam Rising is at quarterback. Such an impressive player to me. You've got Tavion Thomas, who is a rising star himself in the backfield. Um, he... Very interesting story as well. If you have time, go read about Tavian Thomas, who's homeless for a time. And, wow. And now just is crushing Love it. Love those stories. Yes. So just um, very, very impressive. What was the number you had for Cam Rising for, for Heisman? 80 to 1 wow, for Cameron Rising like Heisman. Too. Well, he's a guy, had nearly 3,000 yards last year, 20 touchdowns, just five picks. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of value if you think that the Utes can go far. And, and again, I think it, it goes part and parcel. If you like Cam Rising at 80 to 1 to win Heisman, then you're going to love them to win the Pac-12 at plus 250 and maybe go undefeated. Like, yes. to, to win the Heisman, they're yes. going to go undefeated. Yes, their win total is, what is it, nine and a half? I think, so that's why I yeah. kind of like the over yes. for Utah. I do love your 250. And by the way, look, we'll find out what Lincoln Riley looks like year one at SC, but I'm with you. The offense is going to be great. I'm playing a lot of overs mm-hmm. in USC games because that defense still isn't very good. No, they're not. And it's good. Like, that is the thing that is such a deterrent from USC yes. that is being so glossed over because of how much hype there is around the offensive unit. Defense. You got to play on that side of the ball, too. They were the worst defense in the Pac-12. <laughs> how much better can they get in year one? Yes, exactly. I don't know. They just they lost so many games last year, and they lost them bad. The, the overhaul can only be done so quickly. You do have to build chemistry. You do have to actually get pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Whereas Utah, I know that their defense wasn't exactly stout, and that is another thing they get flack for. We all remember the Rose Bowl what and game, the shootout though. with My Ohio State. My goodness, what a game. Um, but but they're rebuilding, too. So yeah. I, I think that I trust Utah, Utah has the edge. winning him to get the yes. defense fixed before I, I do Lincoln Riley. Yes. So much more. Uh, okay. In Pocket, presented by Bet Rivers, your hometown sports book. Check out their daily specials posted at noon Eastern at betrivers.com. And uh, these last couple minutes here of the program, Dave, because you mentioned it ever so slightly, referencing back the statisticians and different things about baseball. I'm going to let you get on, get on your soapbox <laughs> here briefly well, and loved- talk about the shift. Well, we had great guests on today. I loved when we had Phil Garner on. If you missed it, go back. We've got all, all the, the entire show. And, and Phil said something that was music to my ears because I didn't know how he was going to feel. And I've talked to other people in baseball that are really for banning the shift. And the ban's coming, whether I like it or not. It's coming next year. They're going to ban it in Major League Baseball. And my soapbox is just this, Stormy. There should be no professional sport, period, where illegal de- defense exists. There should be no such thing as an illegal defense. Like in the NBA, if you want to play a 2-3 zone, play it. Guess what Steph Curry will do? He'll knock down 23s, right? I'll figure out a way to get better than you and beat it. Like Buddy Ryan's defense back when the Bears, I know Bears fans remember 85 like it was yesterday, and, you know, he's blitzing nine, blitzing 10, bringing everybody, right? Well, that's that shouldn't be fair. You can't bring them and beat it. Figure out a way as an offensive mind to beat whatever the defense implements. So if the shift is on, and, I, and I'm a skipper like Phil Garner said, Phil, Phil's with me on this one. Like, Kyle Tucker, go the other way. Your power numbers won't go down. Everybody thinks that. It won't. It's going to make you a better hitter. If you are smart. I mean, I, I played at all-star minor league. But just I'm talking about high school and, you know, 
junior high levels, right? And you could look at it and go, oh, they got this guy played this way. Well, I got to hit it this way. If you're a good enough player, you're going to be able to beat whatever the defense is. So there should never be an illegal defense in, in the NBA. There should be no such thing as an illegal defense or a shift in Major League Baseball. And, you know, in hockey, if you want to just go ahead and sit back and and have to, like to me, that's that's fine. I know like the, yeah. the two line pass got out. You know, they took away that. I just there should never be a thing called illegal defense in any professional sport, in my opinion. Whatever it is, figure out a way to beat it. So when the initial like ruling came down that that was going to be a change, how just ticked off were you? I was like, what obviously, are we doing? yeah. I was like, obviously, are we doing now this it's cause, settled cause in. Because what? Because but... because fans don't like it that there's too many guys on one side of the field. We got to play a traditional straight. No, there's a ton of things fans don't like I mean, that don't get changed. Why are we changing this? Stormy? this? So in an extra inning game in the playoffs and a sack fly can win the game. Can I not bring my outfielders into the infield now? Like, can I not do that? Cause it's illegal. Like that's so stupid. Major <laughs> League baseball. You have so many other issues. This is not one you needed to tinker with. Like the best thing with baseball right now is talking about Aaron judge and Shohei Otani mm-hmm. every day. Who should be the AL MVP? Talk, Concern yourself with that. Don't worry about the shift. If you're good enough, you'll beat it. Have the baseballs been fixed, by the way, with that mm. Blue Jays 28-run huh. spot that got thrown oh, up? Oh, you think there Jeez might have been Louise. some? Uh, how about, like, in a home run derby, they're like, boy, these are the most juiced balls. <laughs> like, you know, baseball does some weird things. I just think they, they – a lot of times leagues think about things they shouldn't really think about. Don't overanalyze it. Just go ahead. If you're a good enough offensive player in whatever league, you'll be able to beat it. All right. This was probably – the fastest three hours of my life. Gone. Thanks for the fun, Dave. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Get the week started off right. Cash those tickets, <laughs> and we'll see you tomorrow. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.